Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Wave Ministries. Visit thewavecolumbus.com for more information. Welcome to The Wave Podcast. I am Danny Ortiz. And I am Ryan McCarsky. My brother, my brother, I know how you're doing, but I'm asking you anyway, how are you doing? Because we're in some exciting moments with you. Oh, I'm I'm doing well, Danny. Just uh, like I tell people, any any second, man, the the wife could be telling me we gotta we gotta go to the hospital. Our our little girl's on the way. It's you know, it's as uh one of our one of our friends from our our group said he's like fourth quarter, less than two minutes left. I was like, we got yeah, seconds. Been in, fourth, been in the fourth quarter for weeks. <laughs> we got seconds and throwing and they throwing the last pass. So. If that's we it. stop the podcast right now, that's because I gotta go and, and hang out with Ezra for a little bit as they <laughs> uh as as these two go and uh bring uh, forth the little beautiful girl. So uh yeah. man, we're excited for you. Um definitely uh I know you don't want to take some time off, but we're gonna give you at least a, at least a week off, maybe two weeks off, All and right. uh <laughs> and uh have you hang out and then we'll we'll continue uh second Timothy three. Um, which I think the next the next one on Second Timothy three after this money because we've been in this money thing is, is about <laughs> boasters. So we'll oh. we'll hit we'll hit that uh, the next time that uh, we hit. But this is an important time for us, man. We we are going to hit some stuff today. Yeah. Um, that's going to be that a lot of people were anticipating, waiting for. Uh, this is going to be a little longer than normal. Um. So, so what are some of the things you've been hearing? I know I've been hearing on our side, Ryan. Uh, people have been anticipating uh, tithing uh, versus generosity or free will uh, offering. Uh, what is required, what's not required of us? Uh, is tithing just an Old Testament covenant thing? Is tithing mentioned in the New Testament? Um, what is our... And, and which which is funny to me, Ryan, I'm just being honest. I don't know why it should be a big deal in the sense of it. Like uh, it shouldn't, it's, but people make it a big deal. Uh, but yeah, cause I think yeah. churches make it a big deal. Um, but we're going to, after covering it today, I think people are going to understand it from a deeper point of view and, and really understand this. It's really not as big of a deal as we make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we're going to learn that it's probably not a new Testament way of doing it things. Um, from a scriptural point of view, but you know, I'm excited to cover. But what are some of the things you've been hearing on your end? Yeah, like I was saying, um, I had a lo- I have a lot of people that have um, been anticipating this one, and you know, a lot of my friends that that grew up in church, they were taught a lot of different things, and you know, you heard the story about my my the reason my parents left left the church when I was little, which I never heard the story. So let's, let's, let's get the story. This, this is, this is why I was out. We were leading straight to this because we had it. We've been in telling folks about the story, um, but go ahead and give us the story. If you remember the story, I remember no, it greatly. I, 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 once I, once I get done talking, I'm actually going to let you say it. Cause it's, it, he told it to you. So I'm, I'm going to give you that, but yeah, I mean, I've, I have friends that are, you know, been taught like, Hey, you're not going to be blessed if you don't give the tithe. Um, one of my good friends has taught that and almost put some fear in him. And, and so I know he's excited to, to hear this. And I have a number of friends that, um, go to, are in various denominations that it's kind of like just been the unspoken rule 
I better give because that's just what's been passed down in church culture. And they've never questioned it. It's like, well, I just bet that's what I do. Um, and never put another thought. And then when you, when you bring up something that's slightly different that people maybe have not read about, uh, they start to question their mind, like, Hey, is this a, uh, is this a thing? Um, I'll let you tell the story. My, my dad, because my dad's going to listen to this one. I told him he's got to hear it because he's going to be famous after this story <laughs> and people are going to laugh. So I'll give you, I'll let you say it. So Mr. McCarska and I was having a great conversation. Uh, first of all, your mom and dad are great people. I just, <laughs> just put that out there. And uh, we were laughing and, and, and somehow we went from real estate to, to this, <laughs> to, to, to him giving me his story on why he never even looked back after, you know what I mean? Uh, after he had this encounter with a, uh, you know, with a, with a priest. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the priest, uh, I think it was, it was for you as a kid that they yeah. were. It was like first, uh, let's see. It was, it was like first communion. Like and, the and first they communion open, they, situation. They bring, yeah. they bring the parents into the office and, and open so, the book, the financial book. So they, yeah, so they were talking to him about, you know, he wanted to do the first communion for you. And you know what I mean? He just want to continue this tradition of, of, of that part of religion that, that they were in at the moment. And uh, that was just tradition. And then the priest, literally stood there and 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 just to see your dad actually <laughs> so i want anybody to give a mental picture of mr mccarsky like holding a fake book and then like licking his fingers and turning the pages and when he did that it just made me laugh he said he was sitting there and the guy was just turning pages and he didn't even know what the, the heck he's turning pages for but the guy is basically looking at the records of of all the giving of every yeah. human that's been part of this, you know, this, <laughs> this, uh, this uh, congregation. And he, he comes to the McCarsky family and uh, he basically says, uh, man, you guys haven't been given much, you know? <laughs> and, and Mr. McCarsky did not, did not know that in order for Ryan to be, to have this first communion, he had to be a, a, a top giver, you know, <laughs> because part of uh, the rituals, are done when those who actually give and and then uh so the the guy told him uh you know basically you know that he's not ha haven't been given much and uh and he has to give more and uh mr mccarsky with his witness said something that just made me start just i started laughing so hard he said well you won't like what i'm gonna give you next week <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't liked what i have given you so far, you're definitely not going to like what I give you next week, which is basically he was telling him, this is the last time you're going to see me. Uh, <laughs> you're going to get nothing from me from this moment on. <laughs> and that that made us laugh so hard. And I tell that story over and over because it's such a funny story that, you know, what I mean, uh, because the ridiculousness of, you know, not being able to be part of some rituals because someone's not giving what you decide them to give is crazy. You know what I mean? And so, you know, that was the last time he gave. <laughs> that, was, so, that was the last time. <laughs> and I told him, I totally understand. I get it. Um, and so a lot of people have been, you know what I mean? There's so much, Ryan, uh, so much anxiety and so much mm -hmm. stress and so much fear 
Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've talked, we talked a lot about money in a lot of different ways, old nature, new nature, but so much fear mm -hmm. has, has been put on folks. And according to, you know, I just want to, let's just read first John. Cause we're not, we're not even, I, I got a monologue today, Ryan, if that's okay with you. That, that's and, okay. And so I'm going to give a monologue and then I'm going to have you, uh, you know, uh, comment on it. But before I read that, I'm on a, you know, one of my favorite scriptures is this first, uh, first John four seventeen. Because, you know, it's weird for me that we are living in a structure that, that is based out of fear. Um, even what's happening today with a lot of, uh, so-called evangelical churches in America that have adopted an ideology uh, a, a political ideology that's really based out of fear, right? And so there's so much people do out of fear. I mean, I'm telling you, I talk to older Christians all the time and, and, and it's almost the whole Christian experience is based out of fear. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, well, Danny, you know, we, if we don't do this in this country, man, it's gonna, and it's like, and you hear the fear come up, like, and, and so the fear upon fear, uh, when it comes to what we teach in the school. And I think we talked this in the past. I'm bringing it up because part of the given situation has been based out of fear. Mm -hmm. And this is the scripture I didn't write that I like just like reading. Love has been perfected, verse 17. First, so first John 4, 17. Remember, I got to be clear on those scriptures because my <laughs> mom would beat me up. A love has been perfected or love has been fully grown. Remember the word perfected in Greek is fully grown, fully mature. So love has been fully grown, fully mature among us. This that we have bonus in the day of judgment because he is, are we in this world? There is no fear. I, I, I want to say that whoever's been living in the condemnation, whoever, there is no fear. There is no fear. I'm going to say that they uh, prophetically, I'm going to speak that to your heart. There is no fear in love, but perfect or fully grown, fully mature love casts out fear because fear involves torment. And there's many people that have been tormented in the area of finances because of fear. And I want to set you free today, hopefully by the word of God and say, listen, you should not live in fear. You should not live in torment. God loves you. You have not missed it. You're not cursed. Your family's not cursed because you decide to pay your bills and not give some man 10%, right? Mm. I, mean, I just want to say that up the front, man. Listen, you are in freedom. God loves you and he loves you in freedom. And it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer should we be enslaved with the bondage of slavery. Like, and we have to believe that God is for us and not against us. If God is for us, there's some things that you're going to get wrong. There's some things, uh, and Ryan, you mentioned it in our men's meeting this week. You know what I mean? Some of the mm -hmm. things that set us free is understanding that every one of us do wrong. Mm -hmm. Every one of us yeah. live in sin. Everyone is missing, but we don't live in fear because of what Jesus did. What Jesus mm -hmm. did on the cross is enough for your failure. It's enough mm -hmm. if you miss it. But in this yep. case, you haven't missed it. You've been manipulated to think you missed it, but you have not missed it. Yep. Yep. All right. Absolutely. So let me read the monologue and then you... <laughs> And then you tell me what you think about it. All right. So I, 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 uh, 
I titled the monologue, He Owns Everything. Mm. He owns everything. Tithing versus generosity or free will giving or free will offering. Tithing is not a New Testament standard of giving. Perhaps more than any other factor, giving reflects the condition of our hearts. According to Matthew 6.21 declares, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You can fake some things, but you can't not fake giving your money. Tithing is a biblical Old Testament principle, or you can say it's a tax law under the Old Covenant. We're going to get into that. It's a tax law under the Old Covenant. The obligation of the, of the Old Covenant law is not required of the New Covenant Christian believer. Now, I know some of you are already going to leave and, and shut the... I'm saying the monologue this way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause on the monologue for a second because I want you to know that some of you are going to not like this and you're going to shut this off. But I'm telling you, if you would track with us, the monologue is going to tell you how we feel about the subject. If you want to then dive deep with us, then we're going to take our time and dive deep with it today. But if you don't, if you just don't want to say, well, these people are crazy, I'm not going to believe, then shut it off. But if you're, if you're curiosity, if you're like, man, if, if there's something here, then, then go in. So I'm going to read that again. The obligation of this old covenant law is not required of the new covenant Christian believer. The principle of sowing and reaping still works for believers today. And as a result, we may think tithing is working for us because of this principle. That's so important. I got I to gotta say that again. The principle of sowing and reaping still works for believers today. And it also works for non-believers. I got to say that. The principle of sowing and reaping works. It's a principle. The, the word says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So when you sow, you're going to reap. So that works. So I said this. The sowing and reaping still works for the believers today. And as a result, we may think tithing is working for us. Because of this principle. So there's a lot of people tell me, yo, Danny, tithing is for real, man, because the Lord has been good to us. Yes, he's been good because of the, of the principle of giving. But doesn't mean that the bondage of tithe is yours. So if you want to continue to tithe, listen to this carefully. Listen to what Ryan and Danny are saying. Well, Ryan hasn't, Ryan hasn't <laughs> said anything yet. So listen to what Danny's saying. Ryan may say yes to all of this after we... But let me just say, this is what that Danny's saying. If you want to continue to die, keep doing it. But there's a better way. So I don't want no one to say that we said stop tithing. Do whatever the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. If you feel like tithing is your portion, then go. But there is a better way. The law of tithing can be used for those who cannot hear God. <laughs> or Holy Spirit. Don't be offended by that. Listen to what I'm saying carefully. The law of tithing can be used for those who cannot hear God or Holy Spirit. It is the bare minimum of those who cannot hear God concerning their giving. There is a more excellent way. God wants us to give generously. Our God is generous. He gave the most precious gift, his only begotten son. God owns everything. And the question is not, God, what can I give? But God, what can I keep? Don't be deceived in thinking that 10% is God's money 
and 90% is my money. In reality, 100% is God's money. He want he may want me to channel 90% into his work and live on 10. The New Testament way of giving is based on you and I hearing and obeying God, Holy Spirit. Hear and obey is the New Testament requirement of giving. Now, this is someone else's words. That was my monologue. I want you to understand that there's going to be a lot of other folks' words. If you want to know who the folks are, you can get us. There's people like Dr. Jim, that um, Arlen Danson is his last name, and a lot of other doctors and theologians that I'm going to be quoting. Um, I want you to know that all this study, is, there's been hundreds, I want to say thousands, but I'm going to say hundreds to be, to be under, uh, to be very conservative. There have been hundreds of hours of study 28 years study on tithe and offering. So this is not something that just came out of the whim. This is something that I've been talking about for years. A lot of study, a lot of reading, a lot of books. If you want to know all of them, get a hold of us, Daniel at the wavecolumbus.com or info at danielortiz.org, and I will get you some right teachings and right writings. Um, so I want you to know that this is going to be a collective of writings and teachings and sayings and quotes so when I quote someone else, I'm going to say I'm quoting somebody, right? And so right now I'm quoting somebody. It says, given to God is a scriptural concept. Matthew uh, tw uh, 22, uh, oh, let me start there. There's a difference between given to God and given to the church. <laughs> given to God is a scriptural concept, Matthew 22, 21. Given to the church could just be an emotional response to well-orchestrated man-made appeal, which is out of God's will and God's word. Oh, quote ended. So, what do you think about that monologue, Ryan? <laughs> I think, uh, I think for if anyone just heard it for the first time, because we have these conversations often, I think it's going to be challenging to hear it, especially now for me. Like people just heard the story. I was when that when that situation happened with my dad. I was ten. So I really was pulled out of church for like 17 years. So I kind of just like went with the rhythm of the world or what I, what people taught me. So I'm not so attached to like the tithe principle. Like I I'm not, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, you know, um, some people they've been taught it since they were like three years old, four years old when they're learning money that, Hey, so I gave you an allowance say at five years old, six years old, and 10% of that, we're going to take that to church because that's what we do. That's how you do it as a, as a, as a, as a good Christian person. And if that, if that's a person listening today, there, maybe their whole life has been, well, wait, like I, I could have been taught not correctly. Uh, so I could see various people's sides. They could get frustrated with what we're going to talk about today. But I think, and you said it before this, we're not trying to prove anything a different way. We're trying to really show you through scripture and context. I think we're going to, we're going to definitely go over like, what is the context of this? Because I think people read certain scripture wrong um, and out of context, I'm just trying to straighten out the context because 
if someone's reading it and doesn't dive into that and they just hear a pastor preach it, they're not going to question it because they trust the pastor, they trust the church. And again, that pastor may see it that way too. Um, but just kind of opening their eyes to it and, and actually, and you hit it, if you can hear the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit tells you to give, then you give, you're not questioning like, well, should that be 10%? I already gave my 10%. So like what percentage, like you just give, you got 20, 30 bucks. That person's in need here to take the $30. There you go. Um, it's not as like calculated, but I think a lot of people listening today right now, they're like, are you starting to calculate in their mind? Well, if I still get my 10%, do I ever give or what does that look like? And so um, I'm in agreement with you because I've, I've read, I've read a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about. And it, it just, as you learn, I think the big thing is as you learn context, it makes sense. It, it just does. But we at times learn a lot out of context or we cherry pick verses because we think it applies to us when it actually isn't talking about us. So I know we're going to dive all into that, but I, I think we're, we're going to be opening up some doors today, my friend. So, so this is what, what we said in the beginning. If you want to continue to tithe, go ahead. Yep. There's a better way. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read 1 Corinthians 6.20. For those who say, um, Mother, this is what I said so that I'm clearly quoted. 10% should, remember the New Testament, the whole New Testament is based out of one thing is generosity. We're going to go over what the New Testament people did. The New Testament people didn't just give 10%. They actually gave everything. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my, my, my thing with folks when they come up to me like, well, man, you, you coming against tithing, you coming in to get, no, you're going to be, no, that's again, if you want the Mosaic law, which we're going to talk about, the difference between the Mosaic law, and we're going to predate the Mosaic law, which people talk about, Mattel's uh, of that. We're going to go to that too. If you want to live that way, then live that way fully. The Mosaic law is a lot deeper than just the 10 commandments. There's 613 laws. You know what I mean? That you're going to have to partake in, right? If you're going to read one, if you're going to, this is what Paul says. If you're going to partake of one, then you're going to partake of all, right? Mm -hmm. And this is weird yep. for me that we get on this subject, we cherry pick and decide, let me get this. What, what I'm telling you for the New Testament believer is that God owns everything. And mm -hmm. it's not about the 10%. It's about what he's allowing you to keep. And remember, we talked about it uh, last week. A lot of it is about management, right? A lot mm -hmm. of the reason that we are struggling is because we just don't manage because we don't hear the Holy Spirit about managing our finances, which yep. is the word stewardship. The word stewardship is the word management which that's the New Testament talks a lot about. But, but let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 20. It says, uh, what does it say there, Ryan? So it says, uh, for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. All right, so you was bought with a price. The price that you was bought with, you cannot pay back. <laughs> yeah, you cannot, there's nothing you can do to pay back how you was purchased, right? Whether it's 10, whether it's 20. So in our life, we understand I've been bought a price. So I own nothing. I am owned. The word calls him your Lord. Like we can say this all the time. Oh, he's my Lord and Savior because the scripture says he's our Lord. But the word Lord means he owns you. 
So whatever he says to do, you have to do it, right? And a lot of times that's the challenge. The challenge is, you know what I mean? We don't understand, like, I don't own nothing. And we've talked about this in the past. I don't own none of my cars, none of my houses. Because what? Because I was brought with a price. Mm-hmm. That I could never repay that debt, right? And yep. he did it so that I can live free as sons and daughters of the king. So let's get into this a little bit. What? Let's let's just get into what is the tithe. Mm-hmm. What is what is the tithe? Let's 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 get into what does it mean? What is the definition? The definition of a tithe, and then we're going to get to some scriptural definitions. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tithe was a religious tax, usually ten percent, twenty percent, maybe thirty percent. We're going to learn today. <laughs> <laughs> the tithe was legally imposed by a, a, a theocracy law for Israel of the people of the old covenant to maintain. So this is the definition. They were maintaining a temple rituals and a primitive welfare safety net. But remember, the temple rituals are now obsolete. <laughs> They no longer exist. So the tithing was created for an obsolete system that no longer exists. It was imposed on every household in Israel. Today, today the equivalent will roughly be a national tax on income. It was just not for folks that were the religious parts of Israel. It was for everyone. So we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be surprised that the New Testament authors, the New Covenant Scriptures, never imposes this on the church. You can't find when Paul talks about it, he could have easily, and we're going to go into this. Paul could have easily go, well, remember the tithe, remember pay. He never says this. In the New Testament, it's always about generosity, never about the system that was created for, and I got to read this. What is the theocracy? A system government which priests ruled in the name of God, right? Israel was a theocracy, living under a Sinai covenant and his law. Right? The bigger context for why the tithe tax came about is important. God was keen over ancient Israel. According to Psalms 5.2, I don't know if you want to read some of these. Let's just go to Psalms 5.2. Yeah. There's so much to talk about that I may just, you know what I mean, give you some scriptures where you guys can look at. You look up Psalms 5.2. I'm going to look at Isaiah 43. What does Psalms 5.2 say? Uh, Psalm 5-2 says, give heed to the voice of my cry, my king and my God, for to you I will pray. So God always was, I am the king. I am over. I am Psalms 44-4, Psalms 84-3. For those who want to look at, I'm going to read Isaiah 43-15. This is just... Isaiah 43, 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your king. You can't put it any more than that. 
I am Israel's Chris. So here, God was keen over ancient Israel, and he established the religion his way, complete with priests, Levites, to carry out religious duties, according to Exodus 19 and the rest of the Torah. Priests and Levites were caretakers of the temple, rituals. Oh, man, let's go to Exodus 19. I'm going to read some of these and then I'm going to read numbers, but there's so much that we can't read it all. I'm just letting everybody know we can't read it all. Mm -hmm. Right. And the third month, uh, uh, this is Mount Sinai. The third month of the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt on the same day. They came to the wilderness of Sinai for uh, they had departed from uh, Rephidim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain and Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, tell them the children of Israel that you have seen what I did in the Egyptian and how I bore you out, bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself now therefore if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people for all the earth is mine and you shall be a king a kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words which shall speak of the children of israel so moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord had commanded, then all the people answered together and said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the, of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I come to you in the thick of the cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for their day for on the third day the lord will come down upon the mount sinai and sight uh all of the people and you shall set bounds of the people all around saying take heed to yourself that you do not go up the mountain uh, or touch its base whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death not at a hand shall uh, not a hand shall touch, but shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they they will shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. Verse fifteen. This is of Exodus nineteen fifteen, and I know a lot of this is going to be laborious. Ryan, because it's reading, but we have to read so that we can understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Uh, do not uh, come near your wives. Then it came to pass on the third day in the, in the morning that there were uh, thunderings and lightnings and thick clouds of the mountain. And, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought uh, the people out of the camp to meet God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Zion was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it with fire and smoke, ascended like the smoke of a uh, furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of trumpets sounded long, uh, became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered by his voice. And the Lord said, uh, came down 
upon the Mount Sinai, now the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord. Many of them will perish. And also let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break again, uh, break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come uh, to, up to the mountain. You warn us, saying, set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, away, get down, then come up, and you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, and he, and, unless he break the out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. So here we see God is establishing who he is for his people. He's becoming a God. Now he establishes in his kingdom, in understanding the Torah, he, a pattern of priests and Levites, right? Caretakers of the temple ritual. Um, Ryan, go to Numbers 1, chapter 1, verse 50 and 53. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I got, yeah, I got Numbers 1, 50. Go ahead and read that. Okay. Uh, so Numbers 1, uh, verse 50 says, but you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, over all its furnishings and over all things that belong to, the, to it. They shall carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings. They shall attend to it and camp around the tabernacle. Do you want me to keep going? Uh, no, uh, okay. jump over to chapter four, verses one. Okay. And then we'll read a little bit. Numbers four, one. Yeah. Okay. Um, so numbers, uh, four, verse one. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, take a census of the sons of Kohath, Kohath um, from among the people of Levi by their families, by their father's house. Want me to keep going? Yeah, yeah. Okay. From from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, all who enter the service to do the work in the tabernacle of meeting. This is the service of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of meeting, relating, or, yeah, relating to the most holy things. Keep going. All right. No, stop right there. Let's just kind of right. give you the uh, instance of how God is choosing the Levitical priesthood, right? Yep. So these are special people that God has taken to do special work. Uh, we're going to jump so uh, to Numbers 3. I'm going to read Numbers 3, 11 to 13. This is what okay. it says, Numbers 3, 11, 13. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, saying, now behold, I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel. And instead of every firstborn who uh, opens a womb among the children of Israel, Therefore, the Levites shall be mine because mm -hmm. all the firstborns are mine. And on the, uh, the day I struck all the firstborns of the land of Egypt, I sanctified to myself all the firstborns in Israel, both men and beasts, and they shall be mine. Um, and I am the Lord. So the Levitical priest is with him. Let's go to Deut Deuteronomy 10.8. We're establishing something here. What does Deuteronomy 10.8 says? Uh, Deuteronomy 10 8 says, uh, at the time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him 
and to bless in his name to this day. All right. So the Levites were special to God. They could not own land. They, they, they could not have regular jobs. Uh, they needed the tithing to support what they were doing because they were specific group. You know, in, uh, it says in, in contrast, the kingdom of God launched by Jesus goes all over the world. We are all kings and priests. I'm not, listen, I'm just going to give you, I'm not, there's some, from now on, I, there's some that we're going to read and some that we're not. So we are all kings and priests, according to 1 Peter 2, 5, uh, uh, verse 5 and verse 9, according to Hebrews 10, 19 and verse 22, according to Hebrews 13, verse 16, according to Romans 12, 1, and according to Ephesians 2, 6. Before Christ, our high priest, according to Hebrews 8, 1, 6, and our high king, according to Matthew 27, 11. So I know I'm saying a lot of these. Go ahead. So the church does not live under the government to theocracy run by an earthly king or class of priests anymore. That's what we used to do, but we no longer do that. You know what I mean? That was a specific time for Israel. Um, I'm going to read here. What does the Old Testament say about tithing? Abraham gave a tenth of his spoils of war to Mattel's that we're going to cover that whole thing in, 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 in Genesis 14 here in a second. And Hebrews appeals to this account to support the, so we're going to go to the account of Melchizedek uh, in Hebrews 7 here in a second, because that's another thing that people say, right? Uh, according to Hebrews 7, God met Jacob at Bethel, promised to him a covenant blessing, um, promised God a tenth, uh, every granted him in Genesis 28, a tenth of Israel's seed, uh, fruit and flocks were given to the Lord, according to Levit Leviticus 27, 30 to 32, Deuteronomy 14, 22 to 24, in 2 Chronicles 31, 5, 6, Nehemiah 13, 5, the people gave a tenth of the Levites to support them according to Numbers 18, 21, and according to Nehemiah 10, 38. And the Levites in turn were, were, give, uh, were to give a tenth to the chief priests according to Numbers 18, 25. Those who didn't tithe were threatened with a curse while those who did tithe were promised blessings according to Malachi 3, 8. So we're going to go over these things in a second. What I want to do right now is jump to the argument of that. So we, before we go to the Mosaic law, Ryan, which you have all the three yep. different times that Titus read, mentioned in Mosaic law. Let's go to talk. Let's go to Genesis 14, because what I want to cover is a lot of people say that the tithing predates the Mosaic law because of Melchizedek. Let's cover that and let's cover what the actual scripture says about Matthias of that. I think it's important for us to hit that. Hold on one second. Let's, as you, as you guys get in there, I'm getting all my notes together here. So people choose this to predate it, and I want to talk about it. Um, I'm going to give some talks, and then we're going to read Genesis 14, all right? Uh, okay. In Genesis 14, Abraham had to rescue his nephew Lot in a battle. Abraham won and got the spoils of war. The high priest, Melchizedek came out after the battle and brought refreshments, bread and wine, and early symbols of communion. He blessed Abraham. 
the patriarch gave him one-tenth of his spoils in a one-time act. This is so important. This is one-time act. This happened. And he did not even keep the spoils of the war, but returned them. Abraham, or Abraham grew to be very wealthy, and there is no record that he regularly gave 10% of his wealth to Melchizedek or anyone else. Hence, there is no universal command for the new co covenant church to pay the tithe in Genesis 14. This passage is not about the church. It's not about the church policy or giving. Most importantly, Paul did not sharply split the law given in Exodus on Mount Sinai, Exodus 19 from Genesis. Before I go there, I won't, I won't go there yet. Let's go read Genesis 14. Well, tell me if you have it so that you can read it. Yeah, well, actually, just, let's not read the whole thing. Let's just read the part. I'm, I'll, we'll tell you what to read. Let's read uh, because the whole thing could be long. Uh, mm. let, you can read for 14, 14. Read that 14, 14, and we can read all the way to about verse 21. So okay. hopefully they, they got Genesis 14, 14. So that we're going to talk about Melchizedek and how folks say, this predates us. Um, now, two things before you read it, uh, I said out of this, um, Ryan, and we're going to and I'm going to get into that here. You know, a lot of people say, well, he's the priest. Um, Jesus is the New Testament priest. So we, we must do what he. So just because they gave to Michelle that, then we must give to Jesus because he's the priest. Well, concerning to the New Testament, you and I are priests. So we need to be given attempt to each other. Go ahead. Yep. Okay. Uh, so Genesis 14, 14. Uh, now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went to pursue as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as, as far as Hobah which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Chedor, Chedor Lamur, Lamur, sorry about that pronunciation, and the kings who were with him. And then at verse 18, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tenth of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. Uh, you, let's go read all the way to 24 because it's important okay. to read to 24. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to the to a sandal strap, and that I will take I will not take anything that is yours. Least you should say. I have made Abram rich, except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of men who went with me. Anur, Eshkol, and Mamre, um, let them take their portion. 
Oh, so many people use this and they say, well, here, Mechilzadak, and I like the way you say Mechilzadak. Whatever one's right, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Mechilzadak here, we see that he gets, Abraham does give him a temp, but he gives him the temp of the, of the stuff that he got, right? So it was of the increase that he got and he gave his temp, but never from this moment on do we see this happen again. It happens one time. Now, we know that Abraham became very wealthy, according to scripture, but never another time that he says he's given to this. He's continued to be given to himself. That's never mentioned before. Now, for those who say, um, and, and they try to distinct between this and, because the Torah is the first five books. So many people say, well, when Paul looked at the Torah, or any Orthodox Jew looks at this, Ryan, he, they don't separate Mosaic law from Mechelzedek, right? They will put it all as Torah, right? It's all what he's saying, right? And even Paul uses some of his writings. So I want, I want, Paul did not sharply split the law given in Exodus on Mount Zion and, and Exodus 19 from Genesis. For him, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, were considered the whole law. Uh, mm. For example... Let's go to Romans 3.31. This is a major point here. I'll read it. Romans 3.31. Do we then make a void of the law through faith? Certainly not. On the, con on, on the contrary, we establish the law. Now he goes on. In verse four, because he's not done yet. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For Abraham was justified by the works. He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture says? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but in debt. But to him, verse five, for to but to him who does not work, but believers on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted, uh, accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does the blessedness then come upon circumcised only upon the uncircumcised also? For, he, for we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted while, we was, while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. He, and he received the signs of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of the circumcision to those who are not only are the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. But the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. 
What am I saying here? So Paul is not looking at the law as the Mosaic law. He's looking at the law from an Abrahamic law. So to him, Abrahamic law and Mosaic law, it doesn't matter because it's the Torah. He, mm -hmm. sees, the, he sees Moses' law predated by laws that were given to Abraham. So an Orthodox Jew, whether you're talking to them about the Mosaic law, that's something that we do in Christianity. Mm. But for, the, for someone that's Orthodox, we'll not see it. Paul is an Orthodox Jew also. <laughs> so he's looking at it, and when he talks about the law, there is a distinction. We can go into the distinctions of Abrahamic law, and we can do a Mosaic law. But for a Torah speaking, that's what we do in Christianity. But what I'm, what I'm, my, my major point is, is for a Torah speaking person, it's all the law. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. No, that's good, Danny. That's so good. Romans 4, he goes on to use Abraham as the example of faith for the patriarch was in the law because Genesis was part of the law and Abraham's life is found only in, in Abraham's life is found only in Genesis. Yep. That's very important. Another example is Galatians 4.21. Paul uses the same strategy in writing. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? Then he discusses Sarah and Hagar, whose mm. life is recorded only in Genesis. He interpreted their lives allegorically and drew from Genesis spiritual truths, but he did not split Genesis off from the Torah. Therefore, even the law itself, Genesis, supports salvation through faith. However, it could be objected that earlier sections of scriptures do not count for more. As Jesus said in Matthew 19, 3 to 9, when he appealed to marriage in Genesis as being God's best plan over easy divorce in Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4, mm. which is the Mosaic law. In reply, the new covenant scriptures uh, supersedes the whole Torah. Ooh. This is particularly oh. true in the testament of not the moral law of Tithing in Genesis. The tithe is never promoted after Pentecost as the church mm -hmm. very gradually moved away from the temple. In Acts 244 to 45, which we have mm -hmm. talked about before, I'm not going to yeah. read it because we have talked about and Acts 4, 4, 34, it says that they sold their possessions or gave generously to each other in the early in the early Jesus community. They did not give 10 percent to the temple, though it was the right. The temple was there. Mm -hmm. The temple was there. They didn't give 10 percent. They came and brought it to the apostles feet and they brought everything. However, it should be noted that Paul does not distinguish between Abraham being a blessing through his offering or seed and the law in galatians 3 let's go to galatians 3 15 to 20 <clears throat> and we'll read that here in a second however the context is speaking of the promise of christ through abraham and the coming of the lord does not interfere with the promise through faith however this has nothing to do with bringing forth old customs like concubines or, or building temporary altars by by uh pulling up rocks so it's weird for me when we talk mm -hmm. about this ryan that we want to take one part of the custom of the torah yeah. but we don't mm -hmm. want to take all the parts let's just go to the galatians 3 15 to 20 you can stop me anytime is this making sure. sense yeah 
No, it's it's good, we, Manny. We it's built good. in a case here. Yep. <laughs> we are building a case. Galatians 3. Let me get there myself. Chapter 3, verses 15. Brethren, I speak to you in the manner of men. Though it's only a, a, a man's covenant, yet it's confirmed. No one uh, knows or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed, for the promises made, he does not say into seeds as of many, but as of one into your seed, who is Christ. And I say that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer promises, but God gave it to Abraham by promises. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions to the seed should come until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through the angels by the hand of the mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scriptures has confined all under sin that promises by faith in Jesus Christ might give might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterwards be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to who? To Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after has come, we're no longer are under a tutor. Did I write this down? No. <laughs> we got to understand. So we cannot cherry pick yep. and decide, I'm going to use the law for some things and I'm not going to use the law for others. Because we're going to talk about this Man, there's so much that we got to cover, man, because there's so much that you can go into mm -hmm. um, because we can go to the ritualistic laws, right? That we're giving, right? The first fruits of the, uh, um, you know, we can talk about why after Jesus, we no longer sacrifice any animals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that was a commandment that was given, right? Yep. Jesus, Jesus, uh, Actually, and we're going to go through this. Jesus tells his disciples at the time, because people say, well, Jesus said this and Jesus said that. Well, Jesus told his disciples, he heals a man. And he tells the man, go go now to the temple and, and actually sacrifice something. Just because yeah. Jesus said that doesn't mean that after he ascends, he still believes that for the New Testament church. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was, I mean, when he said that, he technically was still living on the earth. And that's yeah. where people miss it. Like that technically the book of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, like Jesus was alive still until he went to death. That's a different thing. Like there's still like old, like if you read the book of John, technically there's old and new covenant there. Come on, man. I mean, after cha at like chapter 19, when, when Jesus gives up his spirit and said, it's finished. Now we enter the new covenant, but everything before John 19, when we're reading, Jesus is still alive and, and with them, which means he's 
talking about Old Testament stuff, Old Covenant. Listen, and, I, but you, people don't get oh. that because people don't get that because they're like, well, I finished Malachi, so like I'm in Matthew, so automatically I'm like in the New Covenant. But you're not. Like Jesus is still alive in in the Gospels until he goes to the cross, and that's where context is so important, Danny. Like everything we're saying today it's so important listen we're gonna go to hebrews 7 here in a second but before that i gotta read this uh because people say oh jesus commanded jesus listen jesus said uh matthew 23 23 woe to you teachers of the law and pharisees you hypocrites you give a tenth of your spices and mint dill and come and commune and commune but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So this is also found in Luke eleven forty two. You know what I mean? So if you want to read it, notice in the English, you should have practiced. It's in the past tense, which accurately reflects the Greek verb tense. It could be the case that past tense refers to destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, which Jesus prophesied in the next chapter, and which was to happen before his generation passed away, Matthew 23, 37, or 24, 2, or 34. This, uh, verse 24, 2, or uh, 24, 34, this happened in the Roman conquest in AD 70. In other words, the temple rituals are soon to vanish and be irrelevant. So none of their required ties from the past will continue because of the destruction. So Jesus said, in effect, you should have practiced the tie past tense, but it's about to be too late anyway, because the temple will be destroyed as I am about to predict. <laughs> Listen to what it is. But let's leave uh, the, the tense since it's reasonable people can disagree. My points here does not stand or fall on verbs or tenses. The point is that Jesus said several things about the law before he instituted the new covenant at the Lord's Supper and ratified anew by his blood, sacrifice, and resurrection. He was, after all, ministering to the fellow Jews. Listen to this. For example, the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. Jesus described the self-righteous Pharisees as proclaiming that he pays the tithe, Luke 18, 12. But this is not an, ex an extensive teaching on tithing for the church. Rather, Jesus here it's just mentioning a true-to-life element in his story. The, the Pharisee lived before the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Interpreting the scripture, keep the plain things the main things. And those above verses are not commands to the church to pay a tithe as a matter of policy. They reflect the Jewish environment. And so at first glance, Matthew 23 and Luke 14, and I'm uh, sorry, Matthew 23, 23, and Luke eleven forty two, 42, and 18, 2, seem to say that Jesus endorsed tithe, but, he, 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 but we can't be further from the true fear. Listen to this. Jesus also commanded, because if that is the truth, then these other things have to happen. So if that's the mm -hmm. truth, if you think Jesus is saying, because he's mentioning the word tithing, he's saying we have to tithe, then these other things that Jesus mentioned have to be true, Okay. Jesus also commanded animal sacrifice after people were healed and of skin disease. In Matthew 8, 1 through 4, Jesus heals a man leprosy. Then in verse 4, he ordered the, the healed man 
Show yourself to the priests and offer gifts Moses commanded as a testimony to them. The offering Moses commanded for the healing of skin disease is found in Levit Leviticus 14, 1 through 7, which says the priest shall kill a live clean bird. So in verse 4, did Jesus believe that every time a new covenant Christian living today, after the cross and after Pentecost and after the birth of the church was healed of his skin disease, the healed man should go kill a live clean bird before an old covenant priest or rabbi today or fly over the temple in Jerusalem and sacrifice an animal? Obviously not. Rather, he told the healed man to offer it as a testimony to the Jews of his day, not as a universal command today. Likewise, his passing reference about the tithe in Matthew 23, 23 and Luke eleven forty two and Luke 18, 12 is not a universal command either. Those verses reflect the Jewish environment, right? All right, I got, I got some more. Jesus also commanded people to lay their gifts at the Levitical sacrificial altar. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, therefore, Verse uh, Matthew 5, 23, therefore, if you're offering, if you're offering your gift at the altar, there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. And then come offer the gift, Matthew 22, 24. Know how he says, come and lay your gift there in the front of the altar. Those verbs are in the imperative command form <laughs> what altar would this be for decades before the destruction of the temple of the, by the romans it can only be the altar built by sacrificial system exodus 27 1 to 2 it is impossible to believe that the spirit will lead the church to keep an old system including sacrifices and tithe it was speaking of to his own people before he ushered the new commandments at the lord's table Matthew 26, 28, Luke 22, 20. Now, this is, I got more, but I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> There's many other things Jesus said to do in that system. For those who say, well, Jesus said to do it. Jesus never said anything to do about tithes. He actually just mentioned it. He actually just mentioned it because the Pharisees were boasting on those things. And he says, you boast on your tithe, but really, the injustices of your day, you're not looking at. So it was almost as uh, uh, they were trying to get him. And he was like, no, you, you, you're the ones that are messing up because you're not really seeing the heart of the matter of the injustice that's happening, right? You're trying to keep a ritual, right? Jesus kept the rituals of his day because he's an Orthodox Jew believing the rituals of the day. But he released the church into a new covenant into a new way of living that is different than that old covenant living. That's what I was going to say, Danny, is that Jesus, because of the time he lived in, he, and, and he was, the Pharisees were always trying to catch him in his words or what he was doing. Of course, he would stay faithful to what the law said and do what the law said, because in, in reality, they were always looking for anything they could catch him up on. And he's going to, he's going to follow the law. He's going to follow the rules of the day because 
that's how he operated. But like you said, once he establishes the new covenant and he goes to the cross, it's the, the scripture says he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law by going to the, by going to the cross. So now like, I mean, if you divide the Bible in half, you have the old covenant, you have the cross in the center, and now we have the new covenant and we have to live in the new covenant because that's what we're in. So we have to look at it from that lens um, and the context of what Jesus was talking about after he went to the cross. I, I, you're 100% correct. We're, we're establishing the case here. We established the case that the law said this. So we, we talked about Melchizedek. We're going to get to Hebrews 7 after because I, I want you to read. Some, you've heard me read a lot. I'm going to have you. I'm going to have <laughs> Ryan read a lot here. Ryan's going to read on the tithing and the Mosaic law. So we had the Abrahamic law, which again, I, I, I believe I made the point enough. I think I did. I think I made the case for those through Pauline theory, because we should be listening to Paul. Through Pauline theory, I think I made the case enough that Paul didn't look at the distinction between the Mosaic and Abrahamic law. Those are stuff that we do as Christians. Most Torah keeping people do not look. They look at the whole Torah as they law, right? And so yep. that's why if you look at the 613 laws, it has to do about the whole Torah, right? Not just one. They look at it from Genesis, you know what I mean? Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. They look at the whole Torah, right? And so we are the ones that split. Now we're going to talk about, we split in here, but we're going to talk about Mosaic Law. We talked about mm -hmm. Michelle's deck and the fact that he gave a one-time 10% he was given by Abraham a one-time 10%, mm -hmm. a one-time. It was not a consistent, he didn't do it over and over. It was a one-time situation, right, yeah. uh, for a specific thing. So now we're going to go into, go ahead and read us. What are the, there are three uh, tithes that the Old Testament has. If we really want to tithe through a mosaic, a law point of view, there are three different tithes. What are those? Um, that's a great question. I don't know if I have those those notes. Let me do. I'm um, just looking, just looking to make sure. Tithing. It says tithing in the Mosaic oh. Law. There are three kinds of of tithe mentioned in the Mosaic Law. Do you have that? Um, I don't. I don't think I have those. Hold on, I'm looking at this page. Um. If not, I read them. No, I just, you can. No, you can go. Uh, no, go with it because I don't think I have those ones in front. All of right, me. there are three kinds of, uh, and I'm going to read this because it's been ran out. So I'm just going to read it. Tide, okay. tide number one. There's three tithes. Tide number one. This uh, tide was entirely devoted to priestly tribe of Levi, where uh, no land allocated to them, and no inheritance among the Israelites. Uh, this is certain. Uh, this is is referred in the Old Testament or even in orthodoxy today as the Levitical tithes. Uh, Le uh, Leviticus 27.30 says, a tithe of everything from the land where the grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Leviticus 27.32 says, the entire tithe of the herd of flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy. Le uh, Numbers 18.24, instead of, Instead, I give to the Levites as the inheritance, the tithe that the Israelites present as an offering to the Lord. That is why I said concerning them, they will have no inheritance among the Israelites. 
the, the Lord then commanded the Levites to give a tenth of their portion of, uh, uh, according to Second Chronicles 31, Numbers 18, 28. In this way, you also will present an offering to the Lord from all the tithes you receive from the Israelites. From these tithes, you must give the Lord's portion to Aaron's the priest. So we see that the, the first tithing from the Mosaic law is a tithe into the, it's called the Levitical tithe. So that's one tithe. The second tithe uh, is called the festival tithe. Deuteronomy 12 11 and 12 says, then, then to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, there are to bring everything I command you, uh, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts and all the choices, possessions and that you have vowed to the Lord. And there rejoice before the Lord your God and your sons and your daughters and your, and, uh, your men servants and your maid servants and the Levites from your towns who have no allotment in the inheritance of their own. It is only to be eaten at a place specified by the Lord in the land of Israel, or as the case of those living far away uh, in their own towns, according to Deut Deuteronomy 12. Burnt offerings and sacrifice and special gifts are also included in verse 11. Uh, the, the celebration of these tithes is seen as an event to foster national unity and install a sense of brotherhood among the people. So this was called the, the festival tithe. So the first one is called the Levitical side. The second is called the festival tithe. The third, the category of tithing, the third tithing that, the, that we see in the Mosaic law was known as the welfare tithe. This one's a little bit different because it's done every three years. It's not done. So we have two tithes, which is 20%. And then you have this third tithe that every three years, which is 30%. So I'm going to read all this to say, if you really want to follow, right, we have to then give 30% every three years and then 20% after. <laughs> Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 14, 20. I know some of you guys are like, man, this is a lot. But we, we wanted to do it right. If you're going to do it, we're going to talk about it right. Deuteronomy yep. 14, 28 to 29. At the end of every three years, <clears throat> bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns. So that the Levites who have no allotment of inheritance of their own and the aliens or the foreigners is called or the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat to be satisfied. And so that the Lord, your God may bless you all the work of your hands. Take note that this tide is only implemented once in, uh, in three years, verse 28, and is a 10th of the year's increase. It is to be consumed not only by the Levites, but also by the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows, uh, according to Deuteronomy 26, 12. A special note in the fact that tithing invokes a blessing from God. Uh, failure to entide invokes a curse from God under the Mosaic law, Deuteronomy 14, 29. So the Levites who have no allotment of the inheritance and aliens, the fathers, the widows, the towns may come and eat and establish so that the Lord, your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Now, this is going to bring us to Malachi chapter 3, because part of Malachi chapter mm -hmm. 3 goes from a disobedience to the nation of Israel for this tithe. So let's go to Malachi 3. You can read Malachi 3, 10 to 12 for me. Okay. Yep. All right. You want me to go with it? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so Malachi 3, uh, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the window windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Oh, my goodness. This is one that, oh, that, yep. that really irks me because we are totally taking this totally out of context. This is how many before but let me interject. How many how many places have you spoken at Danny that you know you've heard this spoken when people ask for the tithe in church and they 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 actually say this. They I've heard it many many times in many places. It's Dude, it's being being blessed having an outpouring from heaven upon you. Um yeah, I've heard this a lot. V verse 9 again. Verse nine go, or verse go to 10? verse go to verse nine. Okay. Of... All right. So here's verse nine. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I read I had to start reading verse 10 because that's what people read, right? Yep. People don't read everything of uh like if we wanted to be mean, I could read a whole Malachi chapter three. But read Malachi 3, 9 again so that we can be really clear what this is talking about. Sure. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, you remember what's happening is when, when there's a tax in place. Remember, these are tax laws. So everything that I'm reading you about the, the Mosaic law, the you know the the, the tithing this is actually a law do you understand it's like a nation having laws like it like so i want people to go to israel israel still handles under some of these laws to today these are laws to them it's like breaking a law of course if you're going to break a law there's going to be consequences for breaking a law did i lose you i'm here there you go i'm okay. good so there's yeah. going to be consequences for breaking the law, right? These are laws. So it's crazy that Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, have been used to install fear by many churches in the congregation. And let me remind you that these verses are part of the consequences of not obeying the Mosaic tax law. Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with New Testament people, Right? Can I read yep. a little bit that, I, that that's written here about this? It says this, uh, but Malachi said that not paying the tithe is robbery to God and robbing violates the timeless universal moral law. But what happens when robbing is based on a religious tax to support rituals and Levitical systems that is not obsolete so to the religious tax is no longer relevant? The verses in Malachi that follow, uh, say this, well, uh, me a man robbed God. Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are you robbing in tithing and orphan? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing. 
10, bring to the whole bring your tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in the house. Robbing is a violation of moral law. True enough, but tithing is not a moral law. And robbing is in those verses is the premise is about on the law of tithing. Think of it this way. If God commands by his law a tax and people don't pay it, then they are indeed robbing God. And robbery breaks a universal moral law. But what happens if a new law comes in force, in force that says that the tithe is no longer valid because the system that the tithe paid for is no longer in use? Mm. Then the people are no longer violating the obsolete law. For example, what if Congress were to pass a tax and people refuse to pay it? They the IRS then will tell the, the refusers that they are robbing the federal government. They are breaking civil law and moral law. Now, what if Congress repealed that tax law? Would those people still be breaking the civil law that is now obsolete? Of course not. The new covenant repeals rituals and taxes that support a now obsolete Levitical system. Mm. And our Lord Jesus himself fulfilled all the requirements of the law, therefore taking the curse upon himself. Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come to, I have come to, sorry. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Mm -hmm. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming cursed for us. For it is mm -hmm. written, cursed to the man who hung on a tree. Yep. <laughs> so the question is, when some, you hear somebody read Malachi, it's a different system. They're not even talking about money. Do you understand? This is not even talking about money. It's talking about grains. So most of the taxes were paid out of grains and tradable commodities. It was not even a, a money system that we even have today. So again, if you want that system, then you have to keep, listen, Paul says, if you want part of the law, then you have to keep the whole law. Yes. <laughs> And it's funny because I've heard Malachi 3.10. I've quoted Malachi 3.10 plenty of times. And I will be honest that even when I've quoted it, I haven't read verse 9. <laughs> like ever. I mean, that's just being honest. But no one reads. No one reads verse 9. Heck, if, if you're going to ask me what the rest of the chapter of Malachi 3 says, I probably couldn't tell you right now. I'd actually have to read it again for myself to read the whole context, which is what we're trying to say, essentially. How long do you have? Do you have some time still? I do have some time. I'm actually, I just plugged my phone in because okay. the reason it shut it down, I was like at 20%. I was like, uh-oh. So I got I got a charger, dude. I'm, I'm Okay. Good. <laughs> All right. Because we there's so much in here. I know. No, I got to, I got time. I got easily, I got easily 30 minutes. All right. Hold on a second. Let's go. Uh, bu 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 bu. 
I'm trying to see, do I want to go to let's yeah, let's go, let's go to Hebrews seven and let's cover that. And then because I want you to start reading why tithing is not required today. Should we just go there or should we just read uh uh on Hebrews seven? What what's your thoughts? Um so either go to Hebrews seven or why tithing isn't for today. Yeah, because you have that, right? You have those notes, the seven points there. Yeah, I got the seven points. I think you go into the seven points. All right. Because, I mean, he was seven of those. I mean, I think we covered Melchizedek enough to understand. Uh, sure. All right. I mean, so we, let, can, we can tell people to go to, I mean, if they really want to read Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7, 4 to 10. Uh, yeah. For those who think that Hebrews, because a lot of people think that Hebrews are talking about tithing, but it really not. It's, it's, it's not, it's not. We take it out of context and we impose a lot of things. So go ahead and start reading that if you want to. Um, the seven, the seven uh, reasons yeah. why Christians are not. Go ahead and read through that. And yep. then we'll, we'll end it on giving and generosity. Okay. Do you want me to just read straight through the seven? Yeah, whenever we want to stop, we can stop and talk about it. We need to talk, talk about it. There's no problem. Okay. So here's the seven kind of reasons why. Uh, the tithe is not required for today. So number one, uh, believers are no longer under the Mosaic covenant. Uh, and do you want me to read the scriptures with that? Yeah. Okay, so Romans 6, 14 through 15, um, chapter 7, 5 through 6. Then there's Galatians 3, 15, um, which is 4 through, uh, yeah, Galatians 15. And then also Galatians 4, uh, verse 7, 2 Corinthians three uh four through 18 uh and the commands um stipulated in the mosaic covenant are no longer in the force for believers some appeal to the division between the civil ceremonial and moral law to support tithing yet these divisions i would observe are not the basis paul uses when addressing how the law applies to us today and even if we use these distinctions, tithing is clearly not part of the moral law. It's, it's true the moral norms of the Old Testament are still enforced today, and we discern, we discern them from the law of Christ in the New Testament, but tithing is, among, is not among these commands. Anything to, to add to that one or go to number two? Uh, go to number two. Yeah, because okay. we, we, we hit that hard already. Yep. Second one, the examples of Abraham and Jacob are not normative patterns. Some think tithing is required because both Abraham and Jacob gave a tenth, and they both lived before the Mosaic Covenant was in place. Such examples hardly prove tithing is for all time. However, Abraham's gift to Melchizedek was a one-time event. There is no evidence he re um, regularly gave God a tenth. Jacob's giving of a tenth signified his gratefulness to God for promising to be with him and to protect him. His gratefulness and generosity still speak to us today, but a historical description of what Jacob gave doesn't support the idea that all believers must give God a tenth of their income. Come on, man. Number and three. We because we, yeah, we hit that hard. I mean, I mean, yep. we, we hit that pretty hard for sure. Um, number three, tithes were given to the to the Levites and priests, but there are no Levites and priests in the new covenant. 
Levites and priests were tied to the sacrificial system of the old covenant. Now all believers are priests. And this is written in 1 Peter 2, 9, Revelation 1, 6, and Revelation 5, 10, and Revelation 20, verse 6, with Jesus as our Melchizedekian high priest. And we talked about that in Hebrews chapter 7. Go to number four. Yep. All right. Number four. The tithe is tied to the land Israel received under the old covenant. Israel was supposed to celebrate a tithe every three years in Jerusalem, but their requirement cannot apply to Christians today. It related to the Jews as a nation, to Jews who lived in the land of promise. With the coming of Christ, the Jewish nation is no longer the locus of God's people, Though individual Jews are part of the church through faith in Jesus, the earthly Jerusalem is no longer central in God's purposes. And this says this in Galatians 4, verse 25. Believers are part of the heavenly Jerusalem, Galatians 4, 26, and look forward to the city to come, which says in Hebrews eleven ten to the new heavens and new earth which is Revelation 21, um, verse 1 through Revelation 22, verse 5. Abraham is an heir of the land of Israel, but the whole world. And it says that in Romans 4, verse 13. Uh, number five, if tithing is required today, how much should we give? As noted, the number was certainly more than 10% and closer to 20%. Those who advocate tithing should probably settle on 20%. Now, number, we, we, yeah, we, before yeah, go you ahead. go to number six, we, yeah, yeah. We, I can also, we can also prove that it may be almost 30%. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least every three years, it's 30%. Yep. So for, for two years, it'd be 20%. For three years, every third year, it would be 30%. Yep. And then number six, with I or no, okay, there's seven of them. Okay, number six. Um, when Jesus affirmed the tithe, it was before the dawn of the new covenant. Some defend tithing by saying Jesus praised tithing, even if he said it was less important than other things, which is said in Matthew 23, 23 and Luke eleven forty-two. This argument appears strong, but it's not persuasive. Jesus also mentioned offering sacrifices in the temple which says in matthew 5 23 through 24 but christians don't think even if the temple were rebuilt that we should do that our lord's words are understandable when we think about his location in redemptive history jesus spoke about sacrifices and tithing before the cross and resurrection before the dawn of the new covenant covenant he used tithing and sacrifices as illustrations when addressing his contemporaries. He kept the law since he was born under the law, which is Galatians 4.4. 4. Mm, but, but we can no more take his words as a command, um, a commendation for tithing today than we can his words about offering sacrifices. And, num and then number seven, nowhere is tithing mentioned when commands, um, when commands to give generously are found in the New Testament, 
when Christians are instructed to give to the poor, they aren't commanded to give the poor tithe. Instead, they are instructed to give, to be generous in helping those in need. And some of the scriptures that say that are Acts 2, 43 through 47, Acts 4, 32 through 37, and also Acts 11, 27 through 30, Galatians 2, 10, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 to 4, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 9, and then verse 15, uh, or sorry, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 9, and then verse 15. For example, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4, a passage often cited in popular circles in support doesn't mention tithing. It relates to a one-time gift for poor saints in Jerusalem. And those are the seven. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, a lot. So we covered a lot of those points and I, and I went in detail on those points with all the stuff that we did in the beginning um, because it's important to understand. Uh, let's, let's recapture that before we go into generosity and we take the next 15 minutes and talking about the, the, really what the New Testament is about, this free will given, being generous. You know what I mean? That's always, in, it's, it's a biblical principle, right? And so we're going to go yep. over that. Um, but before we go over that, let's recap. What we recap is that you have the Abrahamic law and you have the Mosaic law. We mm-hmm. think that a lot of times people will say, well, we got to do what they say. Well, Paul, first of all, we have folks that split them. They say, well, yep. the Mosaic law is different than, than Abrahamic law. According to uh, orthodoxy, and we see even Paul himself as an orthodox Jew, he doesn't. He looks at it all as the law. Matter of fact, most of the time that he mentions the law, he usually, he mentions it from an Abrahamic point of view, not mm-hmm. even a Mosaic point of view. So for those who say, you know what I mean, well, we got to do this law, that law, to an orthodox person, the whole Torah is the whole Torah. Now, yep. the, 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 the second point is uh, you can say, well, we have to then still do it because Jesus talked about it. Well, we, like we said, if we talk about that part of the law of the tithe, then we have to talk about all the parts of the law of the tithe, which a lot of a real, you know, according to their rituals, according to their customers that they did. And some still do it today. We're not under that. Jesus came, right? Uh, point number three is that Jesus came to break that curse. He fulfilled the law with who he was. He broke the curse of the law. So we're not under that same Jewish uh, Mosaic law or Abrahamic law. We are under the new covenant and in the new covenant. The fourth point would be that the early church themselves never talked about it. Paul himself never commanded the New Testament church. Everything was about generously giving. When we Mm -hmm. we love Acts 2 and we love that 3,000 was saved, they didn't practice tithing. They practiced mm-hmm. generosity. They came and brought everything to the feet of Jesus. Right. That's simply to say we covered it all. Is there anything that you think we haven't covered? No, no, that's, we, we covered it, man. <laughs> so there's a lot to say about generosity and maybe next week I can jump. I don't know. I may not jump into generosity next week, but let's go to the one scripture that we want to wind up is second Corinthians so people ask, so what, what are we should do in the New Testament? Well, I would say go to 2 Corinthians uh, 9. 
which is the only place really that it talks about how to give. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now, if you want to please read verse uh, chapter eight, because chapter eight is, is more important. It's also about giving. Um, I know chapter nine is about giving, but also chapter eight is about giving. We'll give you what the scripture says uh, about giving here. Um, and then again, take this, pray about it. Whatever the Holy Spirit tells you. If you want to continue to pay in tithes, go ahead. If mm -hmm. you if you want to be free and say, well, you know what? I just want to hear Holy Spirit, whatever he tells me to give to whoever he tells me to give, I'm going to give it. Then do that. Um, we didn't get into supporting. There are, there are, you know, New Testament scriptures that we can validate in supporting uh, a minister. You know what I mean? But again, that is free will. It's not... Mm -hmm. A, a, a commandment or have to mm -hmm. right yep so uh second corinthians nine uh go ahead and read that six uh starting verse six okay oh here we go uh starting verse six here we go uh so second corinthians nine verse six uh but this i say he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. But God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As you it can is stop written, right there. Oh, yep. yeah. Keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. Okay. Keep on all right. As, um, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. You... Okay. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. All right. That could be right there. Okay. Uh, uh, no, go ahead and read. Read, okay. read, read the next read 11. One. Yeah. Okay. While you are enriched in everything for all liber liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to so, God. So we've been enriched in everything in all what? Um, liberality. Ooh, that's some freedom there. Yep. That's some freedom. So <sighs> keep on reading verse 12. Okay. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of their confession to the gospel of Christ and for their liberal sharing with them and all men and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So here, Paul is saying, you're free. You're, you're free to do whatever you want to do with your money. Make sure when you do it, you do it with a great heart. You're hearing because you're praying and you believe in God and you're hearing the Holy Spirit on what you're asking. He's saying you're hearing God, you're praying and you're free. But because of your freedom, people get blessed. Now he also touches the sowing and reaping situation that I talked from the beginning. If so a lot of people that do tithe, they're like, man, I'm, I'm blessed because I'm giving. Listen, there are many non-Christian people that I know. They're actually atheists that give 10%. They live by the principle. That's mm -hmm. a principle of sowing and reaping. 
that has nothing to do with what we talk about, the law of tithing. Those are two different things. If you want as a principal to say, I'm going to give 10% of my income, you're going to have reciprocity. Why? Because there's the law of sowing and reaping. If you give, it's going to be given back to you, right? And so that's just a part of it. But to say I'm cursed if I don't fulfill a law of tithing, that has nothing to do with the New Testament. The New mm-hmm. Testament was all about being generous and having an obedient ear to the Holy Spirit on how to be generous and how to give. That is the, and if you want to hang on a scripture, the reason that we landed on this scripture, because it's really the only scripture that describes how our heart should be. It should be always open, not to be given grudgingly, not because someone manipulated us to give, but we also should be conscious that God blesses us in a way that we can meet every need that we see. That means mm-hmm. every person that you see in need, you should be able to give. Now, yep. you, it don't take a, a rocket science. We talked this before to pray about giving. You know what I mean? You should give because God says you should always be generous. Yep. There's so much yep. to talk about generosity. We don't have time to go in. We spend a <laughs> lot of your time right now. Hopefully you got something out of it. I know we rushed through a lot of these scriptures. We talked fast. There was so much to cover. I didn't, yeah. I promise you, I didn't even cover 10% of what I have here. Yep. I yep. have a, at least a hundred pages in my hands. You can have them more if you want it. You can go study it for yourself. We just pointed out some highlights today. Don't be mad at us. All we <laughs> want us to do is to go deeper in our walk with God. And in the end, to not be manipulated by men. And to not be manipulated by men's system and to be free and living a life with the Holy Spirit and whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's how I'm going to end. Ryan, you ended it all. No, that's so good, Danny. And I think the big thing we want you to come out of this is, like you said, if if you want to continue to tithe, like tithe, like go ahead, but don't feel the pressure from men or the pressure from uh, the church telling you you have to give this or you you read something on a contest and context and it makes you feel condemned like oh god's gonna not like me because i didn't give my my tenth or whatever we're just trying to say at at the end of this god loves people that are cheerful cheerful givers and and generous people and if you just go with that basis if you see a need fulfill a need it's not about money it could be giving um a gift it could be giving help to a neighbor to landscape it could be like be generous in your time um, in your money and, and truly just at the end of it, follow what the spirit is telling you. If the spirit tells you to give 30%, give 30% or 5% or, or none at that moment, like Come on, man. Fo- follow, follow what the Holy spirit is telling you. Um, dive in the scriptures. If you have questions, obviously Danny gave you uh, the information to kind of reach out about this topic. So we love you guys. We love you. Maranatha. Shalom. Maranatha. Shalom. And we talk to you soon. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Wave Ministries. Visit thewavecolumbus.com for more information.